0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Good morning, this is Attorney Vincent Davis and you're on with Get Your Kids Back Now We also call it uh, Help Fight CPS and Win This show is dedicated to helping people and giving them information in order to go to the Juvenile Dependency Court when the children have been taken away from the family and to regain custody. It is also dedicated to helping people band together to vote to make changes. In most states, as in California, uh, officials are elected by the popular vote, and a lot of judges in certain states, like California, um, are elected and have to face reelection. So let's band together and get those who will help us and be family friendly. Before we start taking calls, I want to tell you a little bit about the show today. Um, Last week we had a guest uh, in the last half hour of the show, and his name was Terry Greenstein. Terry was a, I think, 12 or 13 year social worker uh, for the county of Riverside. And in California, probably as in most states, uh, CPS workers all work from the same playbook, um, and they are all human beings, and they all have the same, uh, I guess, faults and 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 same positive things about them. Uh, Terry, uh, his segment last week was uh, very good, and we got a lot of uh, inquiries, and Terry has volunteered to come back today in the half last half hour, and to tell us. Uh, the biggest mistakes people make when they are dealing with social workers. So, um, if you're listening, get your friends and your family. Send them an email or a text to definitely uh, listen to the show starting at 8:30. Um, if you are listening and you want to call in and you want to share your experiences with CPS, you can call in at 646-668. Eight seven nine one. Also, my producer wanted me to tell you you can listen to past shows and see the transcripts of past shows um, at talkradioexperts with an S, dot com. talkradioexperts.com And you can also take a look at my videos uh, on youtube.com just in the search bar at youtube. When you get to youtube.com type in Vincent Davis and you also, on my websites, you c- I have videos and instructional videos that will probably help you in your case. So my websites are uh, vincentw.davis.com. Then I have another website, fightchildprotectiveservices.com, and I have a third website, helpfightcps.com. Oh, my producer just reminded me. I have a fourth website, um, f lawyer. That stands for Fight Child Protective Services Okay, so Uh-oh, we're getting a lot of calls Backed up. I'm going to take our first call I was going to tell you about some cases That I'm involved in but I'll wait uh, till later in the show if we have time Because Terry is calling in at 830. So the first call I'm going To take is from area code 909 Ending in 5-6 Good Morning, you're on with the question to
0: ask. I have a um a story to tell.
1: Please go ahead and can you hear your me? I can hear you loud can and can you hear me? Oh I can hear you loud. I have and clear. a I
0: have I okay, I have a um a a story to tell. I have a case, a CPS case, and um well I have two prior CPS cases, so that's what they're using against me. Um, and it, um, they put me in, um, there's no no evidence even domestic. My son went to school and he just started, um, just making up allegations on me and my husband because he hates my husband because my husband's very strict and he didn't really like that. So, um, when he saw that, um, he wouldn't, he couldn't do what he wanted to do here, he couldn't get, you know, like certain things. He just went to school and, um, there was a mark on him and he said that we did it. The police had him about like 2 3 hours at the school and they were like, yeah, um they were I don't even know what he even said cuz the police just put my husband in the car and was like, "You know what? You're going to jail for child cruelty. We don't even care." And they and they didn't even take me to jail, but they're saying that I supposedly did the same thing. We hit on with a belt, supposedly, but that didn't happen. I have a six-year-old that hit my nine-year-old, and that's how the mark happened. But they're trying to say domestic violence because I have two prior CPS with domestic violence. They're trying to say uh, drugs because I did test positive for uh, weed. They're trying to say opiates too, because um, at that time, or the day of that day, I just had surgery. So, of course, opiates going to be in my system. I just had surgery for my finger. They drugged me up at the... At the surgery center, so it's like, uh, how can you give me propi? so, the social worker put me in a outpatient program, and then she put me on random drug testing, and she just put me in domestic violence because of the allegations. And I was like, okay, there's no domestic violence. I'm trying to tell you. I mean, okay, you guys got me in my past, my two prior CPS cases, but this time there's no domestic. Violence. Well, because of the allegations, we're gonna we're gonna do basically what we want to do. And you're look what your son's saying, but then my son had changed his story. He was like, You know what, I lied about everything and then C P S are saying I coached him because I had a few phone conversations because he's with his father and I said, You know, I didn't I didn't coach my son, I was just talking to him because the father let me talk to him. So right now I'm trying to put them with the grandmother and I was wondering like because um, my three youngest is in the system, and then the one that made up all the serious allegations with his dad, because that's all he wanted is to be with his dad, but I didn't let him go with his dad, because he's a bad influence, he did drugs, there was things going over there that, that's why I didn't really want to bother with his dad, that's why I kind of kept away from his dad, and I guess my son envied me for that, He he was mad at me for that, he was like, jealous, because over here, I have two kids with my husband, and and um, he sees how he treats them. He's like, oh, wow, like, I want my dad, you know. And I guess I'm trying to ask, like, um, okay, I'm trying to get my three youngest with the grandmother, the parental grandmother, because I don't have much family. So I'm hoping, uh, do you think that they could put the kids with the parental grandmother, even though she lied about, in the past, about being a foster parent, she lied in her application saying who she was married to?
1: Well, um, the answer is they can, but that's the real question: is will they? If they have a person that's previously lied to them, you know the the odds go way down on whether uh, the social worker is going to uh, place with that grandmother. Now I will say that if the social worker decides not to place the children with that grandmother, and you want them to be, or she wants them to be. Either of you can go to court and file motions and papers to get the child or children placed with her, even though she, you know, wasn't truthful in the past. And what she, if you have a pen, I'll tell you exactly what you need to file. Or you need to talk to a court-appointed or private attorney about filing for you. Do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Yes. Number one, yes, you want to file a... Date. Okay. Number one, you want to file a JB two eighty five. You can just Google that, and that Is form that will come J- up. What?
0: JB. Is that a J what? JB two
1: eight five.
0: Okay. And right. that's if they don't let and the so kid go over there.
1: Correct. Now that's not the only thing that you should file. I'm going to give you a list of things, okay? Okay. And you should uh, you should go over this with your court-appointed or the private attorney who represents you, okay? Okay. The second thing you should file is a 388 petition requesting that the child be or the children be placed with the grandmother. The third thing that you should be filing is a uh, or have the grandmother file is a de facto parent status motion under a case called N. Ray Charles S. A lot of attorneys will tell you that the grandmother is not entitled to um, file that motion because uh, she never was the caretaker of the child uh, presently. There would be incorrect on two bases. You don't have to be a caretaker of the child presently. You could have been a caretaker of the child in the past. And also... Under Charles S., all you have to do is be related to the children and have an interest in them to get some type of standing, which I call relative de facto standing in the juvenile court. The next thing that the grandmother should do if she files it, you don't have to do it because you already have this. The grandmother should file a request or a petition to disclose all of the records and information and reports and minute orders. Um, that have been filed in the case so that she can see what evidence they're going to try to use against her to keep the children out of her custody. Um, many months ago, I represented a relative uh, in Riverside County, and, no, you know, this was in San Diego County. I re- represented the relative in San Diego County, and I filed all of this, and uh, I got a hearing. but so the judge didn't grant my request to see the court records. So we went to court, and as ridiculous as this sounds, um, they were able to use evidence that I couldn't see against my client. And, uh, you know, I thought there were a lot of constitutional problems with that. Unfortunately, uh, my client, we lost, and my client did not want to appeal. They were so fed up and disgusted with the system and how they perceived it was not working. So those are the things that you should consider, and, you know, I've given you some things to do, but I, I, and I don't think that you can do them yourself unless you've had legal training in this particular area, or you know, paralegal or, or you're a lawyer, uh, and I'm going to just assume that you're not. So you need to have your court-appointed attorney or your private attorney help you do these things at, and or help the grandmother do these things. Does that answer your
0: question? Yes, it does. But what do you think, since you're a lawyer? I'm pretty sure you're a good, good lawyer. What do you think about my case in general? What do you think? Like a little bit of what I told you.
1: You know, it's a story, unfortunately, I hear many, many, many times. And to be honest with you, it depends on what stage of the case you're at. Now, there is different strategies you have to um, use depending on what stage of the case you're at. I'll give you an example. The other day, a woman came to see me, and she was approaching the six-month hearing. That means that the court had already taken uh, jurisdiction and done the adjudication and disposition hearings, and the court either correctly or not correctly, found that the allegations against the mother were true. She wanted to talk to me about why the allegations were false. And I told her at this stage of the case, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because the court had already found the allegations to be true. And I said, the only thing that now matters is you getting the children back pursuant to the six-month hearing. And that has a whole different strategy in itself. There's a whole set of laws um, that apply. So if you've had your jurisdictional and dispositional hearing, um, you know I, I would tell you a different strategy. If you have had haven't had those, I'd tell you a whole different strategy. So do you know whether you've um, done your adjudication and your disposition? Hearing. That's
0: that's next. that's next. They put a continuance because they're looking for more evidence. But they they made a JD hearing. That's where we did a detention detention hearing. Now they're doing the JD next, and that's next, basically.
1: So you're doing the JD hearing. When is the JD hearing?
0: It's in March. I think March 12th.
1: So your case just started.
0: Yeah, basically because it's been – because it's basically just been uh, – they did a continuance because uh, I had hired a lawyer. She, I felt like she just took my money. It was a private lawyer, and so I had to get a new lawyer, and, um, you know, like the state opponent ones, and um, he was like, oh, well, I don't know your case, and the allegations are true. The courts were saying, I was like, no, the allegations are not true, and I want to prove that. You know, because I have too much on me. I have two old CPS cases, so I don't want them to use that on me because they're both domestic violence. They're trying to say this is domestic violence. It's because my hand was wrapped up because of my hand, and I said that's surgery. You know, and I think the the worker on the case, I think she, um, I don't think she showed showed the court those records. I gave her like eighty pages of medical records for my hand, and that's not being mentioned. The opiates proof where basically I was prescribed by a doctor, because I went to, I did what they said, I went to an outpatient program yesterday, but she was just like, why are you here? I said, because um, I have a prior case in 2014, and they're saying, I did I had a positive drug test in, so I have one now, so that's why they put me here, and because of the pills, but she said, you were prescribed the pills, right? I said, yeah, I was, I was prescribed the pills. She was like, wow, she's like, oh my God, I feel so bad for this, I know, this is ridiculous. So March twelfth, I have a, a the JD hearing for all the evidence, and because they're basically looking for more evidence, and I think that's the major. And then they're trying to see what's going on with my husband criminal court, I believe. I think they're trying to see if the uh, if they're going to get him for the child QT. That's what I think they're trying to do too. That's that's what I really really think. That's why they wanted to do a continuance too, I believe.
1: Okay, well. Um, Make sure that you prepare for your trial. Make sure that you sit down with your lawyer, um, that you give the lawyer all of the evidence and witnesses that you need. So if you are prescribed this medication, you know, unless the social worker puts it in the report, but even if she does, um, you're going to want to subpoena in the doctor that prescribed the medicine, subpoena in the pharmacy that provided you the medicine so that you can prove that You know, you were purposely taking this medication, excuse me, taking this medication because it was prescribed to you. Yeah, she's
0: saying it doesn't matter because I have, because I do have small kids. I have like a seven month old and a 23 month old and a six year old and a nine year old. And she said, well, your kids are so small. Why would you even feel comfortable to even take those pills? It doesn't make it right even if you were prescribed. That's what she said,
1: the social worker. Okay, well, forget what the social worker says. Listen to your attorney. Do you understand the social worker is not on your side?
0: Yes, now I understand that, yes. At first, I, I she was being very nice to me, but, yeah, now I know that now.
1: Okay. so I'm going to tell you and I want to tell all the listeners, there are some good social workers out there, okay? There are a lot of bad social workers, in my opinion, out there. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to protect children um, in a very radical way by taking them away from their parents. be honest, you know, I think, because I've been involved in the system many, many years, almost three decades. And at one point in my career, early on, I used to represent children. And the the judge that I was working, whose courtroom I worked in, he required us to go out and see children. You know, I I would bet money that... um, you know, uh, a lot of minors' attorneys these days aren't able to go out to see children because they're just too overworked and underpaid, and they send out their social worker to go see the children. But this particular judge required, and this is years ago, required the attorney to go out and see the children. One of the things that I notice, and I see it and I hear it all the time, even now, is that when children are taken away from their families, that causes so much distress, discomfort, and psychological scarring, and emotionally scarring of these children. You know, and I, I get a lot of cases, I see a lot of cases where, you know, the parents had a fight, all right, and now they believe the children are in danger. I don't see that at all. There's a lot of different alternatives. Um, you know, You can make one parent move out, but leave the children with the other parent. Why stick these children in a strange foster home? I know I wouldn't want to be taken away from my family and put in a strange foster home. Now, don't forget, these aren't cases where something was done to the child. They're just thinking something could happen to the children. And yes, I admit something could, C-O-U-L-D, happen to these children. That doesn't mean it would happen. And I think we have to balance, you know, the good and the bad of taking away children. But anyway, I digress. I think that you need to sit down with your attorney and come up with a strategy and subpoena these witnesses. I don't recommend you talk to the social worker without your attorney being present, because the social worker is going to tell you stuff that's just not true. And if it is true, it's because they're sadly mistaken. Or they're just trying to get the outcome that they want in a legal battle. You know, a lot of people tell me um, that money is not behind the recommendations. I even had a judge tell me this in another county up in a little north of uh, LA County. A judge told me there is, and I don't know why she said this, but just off. You know, I hadn't said anything. She said that, you know, there is no credible evidence, basically, that the actions of CPS workers is based upon money. Well, in my opinion, that's simply not true. I think Governor Schwarzenegger did some – had some commissions review our system here in California. And the reports that were issued nicely said that the financial incentives need to be changed in this system. The financial incentives to the counties are to remove the children, not to keep them together. If we change the financial system and paid the counties to keep families together, there will be a lot less children in foster care. Do I ever see cases where a child has been abused? Yes, I do see a lot of cases where they haven't been abused and they've taken away from their families. So I hope that answers your question. Um, It sounds like you're going to have to sit down with your attorney and get this thing straightened out so you can win this case. Okay? Sure. Thank you. If you have any further questions, because I have to move on, I have other calls and I have a special guest coming in at 830, give me a call at my office and I can talk to you some more about it. My telephone number is 888-888-6582. You can also visit me on the web at fightchildprotectiveservices.com. And if you want, call that office number today after 930. My receptionist should be here and request that one of my books be mailed to you, How to The Secret, How to Fight Child Protective Services and When. All right?
0: Okay, thank you.
1: Thank you very much for calling, and keep listening. I'm going to try to take one more call before Mr. Greenstein uh, calls in. It's area code 562, ending in 2-3. Good morning, Your Honor. Hi, good morning. You're on, with, you're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask?
2: I have a story and a question, and I know I'm running out of time because, you know, of your guest speaker that's coming on. It's out of L.A. County. It's out of it's out of Los Angeles County um, for the DCFS, and I do want you to know that I did go to your office yesterday. That's what I will say. So, with that being said, I called DCFS, I called myself, in 2015, I had my great-niece, she was four months old. She was less than 10 pounds. Her mom left her with me. I I couldn't take care of her um, medically. Financially, I could. Medically, I could not take care of her. So I had took her to a hospital here in Long Beach, and they did treat her the first time. And so then the next time, I didn't have anything. I, I didn't know where to go. So I called DCFS. They ended up taking her from me because I had a 30-year-old conviction. So that was approximately July the 28th, 2015. Uh, By August the 8th, 2015, uh, the social workers Uh, and the supervisors stated that I had uh, cursed out the staff, cursed out the social workers, cursed out, which was untrue, very untrue. So I did end up speaking with the ARA. They did a investigation and found out that it was not true, but they still submitted it to the courts as such, I'm going kind of fast because of time. When I called on the three-way, it was my sister and I, and my sister had adopted two. So the social worker said that they would just temporarily place my niece, and then they would give her to my sister because she had already adopted two. That didn't happen moving out right along it's some in between here but i'm only going for time and i'll talk to you again privately so then what they did was they told me um i went through the process of certificate of rehabilitation i did the certificate of rehabilitation through the superior court the dcfs office stated that i forged the documents that i made the certificate of rehabilitation and they put that in context The Superior Court ended up contacting the DCFS office, the court manager, and stated that this is authentic. This is authentic. Through all of this process until now, um, they've had my daughter, uh, November 2015, she wanted the baby. They wouldn't give it to her. My other daughter wanted the baby. They wouldn't give it to her. They would not give it to her. They would not give nobody in the family the baby. It's been going on three years. I have filed on my own. I had filed the de facto. Uh, the DCFS office filed the 388 motion to the courts uh, stating that the DCFS office had made major mistakes in this case. So on January the 16th of 18th, it's like it's a lot of in-betweens, but I'm only talking fast for time. So January 2018, the 16th, the judge said, I refuse to hear the 388 motion from the DCFS because I don't believe that they did anything wrong. So court was on the 17th of this month. Uh, day before yesterday went to court. So the judge told me that since the parental rights are terminated, the parental rights now are terminated, you know, from the mom. And so she told me, Miss Christ, oh, sorry, she told me, I'm telling you to start with the social worker, the supervisor, and the ARA. Well, before I left the courtroom and grabbed my purse a couple of days ago, she looked at me again and she said, I'm telling you, you need to start with the CSW, the supervisor, and um, the ARA, and then uh, that's when I contacted your office. Yes.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm a little so, confused. Because- Why I was she telling you? To start with the supervisor in the ARA, what did she think would happen?
2: Uh, because the, now the department and the adoption unit, it has been a tremendous fight. The department had filed the 388 uh, to return the child back to me. The adoption unit said, no, we're standing where we are. We want her adopted out. So the department and the adoption unit could not come together on the stance that was going to be presented to court. So on the 17th, when she told me that, I didn't understand that either. I did not understand. You know, I don't know the verbiage. I didn't understand why she told me that. So that's when I contacted your office.
1: Okay. Now, um, I think I was in court most of the day yesterday. You didn't meet with me, did you? I met with Bert. I see. Okay, you you went to my Inglewood office. That's correct. Okay, that's a very interesting story that you've told me. Um, I have, ha- have heard of similar stories. Um, do you know if the child's in a foster home and how long the child's been in the foster home?
2: Yes, she is in a she's in a, an adoption home. And on the seventeenth, she um, told me that uh, in court, she told me that. She only have one person that wants to adopt, and that's the home that she's in because my niece lost her parental rights. Um, So this was all the conversation before she told me to start with the – she said she lost her parental rights. She said, but, miss, I'm telling you, the judge has been kind of mean a little bit to me, but in the same breath, the judge has been nice to me, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? She has given me information for the last three years. I have done a lot of reading, you know, to the best of my understanding, and followed the chain of command. Uh, a lot of grievances, uh, board of supervisors were involved. I had contacted my mayors. Uh, a CSW have been terminated after the noise that I made alone, but now I need your help. I need your help.
1: Okay. Well, what I want you to do is I want you to write this telephone number down, schedule a phone appointment or in-office appointment, whatever you prefer, uh, so that we can speak privately about this case. You and or your family may have a lawsuit against the county of L.A. and the Department of Children and Family Services. So I want to talk to you about that, and I also want to talk to you about trying to do something to get the child placed back with you, okay?
2: Okay, now, well, really quick, I need to say this to you. Now, my home, um, she finally acknowledged my criminal waiver on the 17th. So my home is RFA-approved, everything, Um, just going briefly. So they treated me, like I had to tell them, you guys are treating me as though I'm the mother. They made me drug tests. They made me go to parenting classes. They made me do everything that they would have a parent do, but I did it. Within this case, I have had over 300 visits. I had 150 monitored visits, and I had 115 phone visits that just ended on December the 20th of 2018 because the caregiver stated that the adoption worker said, now that parental rights have been terminated, it's no need for her to call you anymore. So what they had did was they bought her a personal cell phone, and every Tuesday at 6 o'clock she called me for the last 12 months. The phone, the the visits just ended on 1220. And so, yeah, I will talk to you, and it would have to be over the telephone. That's why I went into your office and I did the necessary steps to appoint you. Let me just say that. And so it will have to be phone because I work in St. Louis Obispo, I only took off to come here to go to court. I've never missed a court date. I never missed a visit. Um I did everything. So I will call you and we can have a conference call cuz I go back to work tomorrow. Now if you need me to come back down here, um I'm home on weekends. But I work 5 days a week in St. Louis Obispo County with PG&E. Where is home?
1: Long Beach, California. Okay. Very good. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do. Call my office, make an appointment, and we will speak on the telephone. If you call today after 930, um, they might be able to make an appointment for you today and tell them you talked to me today, and and maybe we can even talk tomorrow on the phone because there's a lot of things that you need to do, and you need to do fast. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to delay at all, wait till Monday. So try to get them to make an appointment for you tomorrow, okay?
2: Okay, look. So, okay, Mr. Davis. This is no, this yeah. is
1: no
2: disrespect. This is no disrespect to you, and this is for all the listeners. That's why I hired you, sir. <laughs> oh, you hired us.
3: So, oh, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. I went okay.
2: to when, work. My mother and run? I went uh, yesterday. Oh,
1: yesterday. you hired us yesterday. Okay, very good. Yes. Well, thank you yes. for calling. Welcome to the family, and we're going to try to take care of you. Okay.
2: Okay,
1: thanks much Lee. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.
1: Oh, that's always a good thing. Okay, so we're, it's 8:36 and our special guest, Terry Greenstein is back on the on the phone. So, I'm going to put him on the line right now. Good morning, Terry. How are you?
3: Good. Good morning to you, Vince. How are you doing?
1: Good. Terry, first of all, I want you to give uh, the people um, your contact information. Well, not your contact information yet. Tell them who you are, what you do, and what you used to do.
3: Uh, my name is Terry Greenstein.
1: Um, I have been working in the mental
3: health field since 1985, but I spent 14 years with Riverside County Job Protective Services as a child abuse investigator slash social worker um and i saw a lot and a lot happened to me and now i uh, help people to get their kids back i do uh, help with civil litigation against uh child protective services here in southern california and uh I go to court whenever it's necessary for juvenile court just to make sure that Child Protective Services uh, stays in line.
1: Very good. And I just want to tell my audience that I use Terry on uh, several of my own cases here in my office. Um, I first started using him as an expert witness in my civil rights cases against social workers in counties and he's helped tremendously in those cases and uh, we just started using him uh, to be an expert to review cases in the juvenile court um, a lot of you may not know this but uh, social workers are bound by certain policies and procedures and they're all written out they're online and Things are supposed to do in certain types of cases, and the investigation is supposed to happen in a certain type of way. A lot of times that doesn't happen, and, and Terry comes to court and he testifies to a, uh, for the judge to tell the judge how the social workers' reports and investigations were, were flawed. Terry, uh, right now tell people how, you can get, how they can get in touch with you. Give them your email, your, your phone number, and your uh, web address. Okay, the website
3: address is tegconsultants.org, all one word. Uh, my phone number is 951-236-2379, and I have a new email. It's tegconsultants at gmail.com.
1: Terry, you were on the show last week, and you said you wanted to come back. A lot of people called in and emailed or let me know that uh, they wanted to hear you because you proposed a new topic for today. Tell them what you're going to be talking about today.
3: Today's topic is mistakes people make when dealing with child protective services. So a this, is great a, this, is a te- this is a teaching
1: moment. Perfect. And and I'm glad you're giving it from your perspective as a former social worker. I've talked to people about it, but I talk to them about it from a lawyer's perspective. I'm not a social worker and I don't pretend to be. So that's why I'm glad to have you talk about it from a social worker's perspective. So go ahead and take the floor and let's get some teaching for us.
3: Okay. Well, I just want to say that when I started doing social work, when I started with the county back in 1997, things were very, very different. The department was much smaller. The training was much better. um, And it's not that way today. So here are some things that you need to do or not do when a social worker makes contact with you. First, be polite. I'm, I was always polite. I was always able to get inside the door. Um, but be polite. A lot of people get very upset that someone's at your door saying something about you as a parent. If you do not want the social worker in your house, they cannot come in without a warrant from the court. So it depends on how you feel when the social worker gets there. If you don't want to deal with them, you don't have to. Then they have to go back to juvenile court and get a warrant to speak with you and your children. They cannot come to your uh, school, your child's school, and just interview them. There are a few exceptions, um, but the majority of calls, the child protective services get are fall under the category of in the welfare and institutions section, uh, 300B and 300G. 300B is general neglect, and that, that's a huge, huge, um, you know, area. But basically, it's like dirty homes, um, no food you know, drugs in the home, things like, like that. Uh, 300G is parental absence or there's no co- uh, caretaker. Those two specific laws within the Welfare and Institution Code 300 is the only two that a social worker may remove without police intervention. It's... If, 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 Anything else, and they try to take your kids, and there's no police, and they don't have a warrant, don't let them in. Second, don't let the social worker intimidate you. They are very, very good at verbal judo. They know how to talk away and talk around. They will cite laws. They will tell you anything, anything to get into your house now when i first started we didn't need there was no such thing as warrants to go in we could just go in that all changed oh about 15 years ago with a uh, case out of san bernardino so if you want to talk with the social worker number three always ask for the specific allegations what what are they saying now the social worker will have a sheet of paper called an investigative referral. You cannot see that by law, but they can tell you and read off what the specific allegations are. You need to know that, okay? Never. Here's the next one, number four. Never ever, when you're talking with the social worker, Try to guess who called you in. The social worker by law can't tell you anyway. Don't make that mistake. Don't get emotional. Don't start listing off people that may have a vendetta against you because that happens quite a bit. Just remain calm. Number five, again, don't get emotional. I know it's a highly, highly emotional scene. If someone knocked on my door and said something about me as a parent, I would be upset too, and I'm a social worker. Uh, Just If you're going to talk with them, just listen. Number six, if you have a prior CPS history, the social worker is going to know. It it will be your history will, will show up on the investigative narrative with the outcomes of each of those investigations. And here is the big one always ask for the supervisor's name and phone number. Get a business card from them, they all carry business cards. Write down the the supervisor's name and number on the back of the social worker's card and keep that with you. Number nine, if you do agree to interview with the social worker, you can stop anytime and you can ask the social worker to leave immediately. Um, But then if you do do that, then I would suggest calling the social worker's supervisor immediately and explain what happened, because what will happen is the social worker will go back to the supervisor and tell them a story. So always communicate what you're doing with the supervisor so the social worker has to stay in line. Um, Okay, number 10, don't give any... Uh, excuse me, don't give any statements to the social worker unless you completely, completely understand the question. If you don't understand the question, ask the social worker to rephrase the question. Here's a big one. While you're talking, just stick to the facts. It's highly emotional, and when that happens, people have a tendency to start telling stories. And that's not a way to go. Just social worker question and give them the answer, and don't go off on a a tangent. Um, It confuses the social worker. The social worker may take down information that's not relevant to the uh, investigation. So just stick to the facts. Here's another one that I always tell my clients. Document, document, document. The social worker is taking notes and you should be there taking notes just as well. Because everything you say, the social worker is going to write down. And you need to keep your own notes. In the real world, if it's not written down, it didn't happen. So make sure you keep copious notes just as well as a social worker. If you're gonna have ongoing contact with the social worker, get a notebook, keep dates and times. Very important, if you have to go to court, that can be considered evidence. Okay, remember, you do have rights. There are specific rights, um, and the social worker will actually, by law, have to give you pamphlets that explain all those rights. It is against the law for the social worker to deny uh, giving you those rights. They may tell you something, but always, always, always demand uh, paperwork. Like Vince said earlier, there are policies and procedures for everything a social worker does. I have a few of them in front of me Uh, Los Angeles County and Orange County have them online Um, if you're not sure go and look at the policy signing documents this is a real important thing very important if you sign anything read it thoroughly the social worker is, is going to try to confuse you and and obfuscate and be in a hurry and, you know, anything to just get you to sign so you can sign it and they can get out. So read the documents thoroughly. If you don't understand the document, don't sign it. Tell the social worker, I don't understand and I'm not going to sign. The social worker may threaten you may try to intimidate you, but if that's your right, I don't want to sign it. Okay, here's another huge, huge, huge mistake, which I pulled out from one of the cases that I worked on with Vince. If you sign documents, you have to get a copy right there, right then. Do not let the social worker say, I'm gonna go back to the office and make a copy and bring it back. No, no paperwork with your signature should leave the house with the social worker unless you have a copy. If the social worker says no or gives you an excuse, do not sign and call the supervisor immediately. A good social worker, and there are hundreds of forms, a good social worker will keep the forms that they use the most often with them. A good social worker will keep several copies, so they'll come in with two. You sign two, you get one, they take one. If that doesn't happen, don't sign, okay? If you're not happy with a supervisor's response, like my mom used to tell me, just keep going up. There's assistant regional managers and regional managers. Believe me, in Riverside County, if a social worker did something wrong, it went all the way up to the super, uh, Board of Supervisors a few times. In fact, I had to uh, uh, testify for the Riverside Grand Jury many years ago on social worker ethics. Um, so it's something that's going on. Don't trust, like Vince says, don't trust what the social worker tells you. You can always call the supervisor or get online and look at that specific policy. Social workers, I hate to say it, lie. They just lie. A lot of them are lazy. They don't want to do a full investigation. They'll just tell you whatever you want to hear, and they'll do the opposite. Okay? Now, I think I mentioned about the social workers coming to the school to interview your children unless it's an emergency what they call exigency they cannot interview your children at school without your permission or a warrant so just make sure that is something that is was new when i left because we used to be able to go to the schools and just pull the kids out and talk to them so make sure that if they came to your school if they had, and taught to your kids, that is either an exigent circumstance, which means an immediate response, or they had a warrant, okay. Okay, the, the last couple things I wanna talk about is just how long a child abuse investigation is. Now Vince was talking about money a little while earlier. The majority of money that's paid to Child Protective Services is in the investigation phase, which is the first 30 days. After 30 days, there's no more funding. So social workers want to get this thing done in 30 days. However, if it starts stretching beyond 30 days and there's no court, there's, they haven't taken any action, call the supervisor, Call the assistant regional manager. Call the regional manager say, it's been over 30 days. What's going on? And that's about it that I have. I I hope that helps.
1: Oh, that helps tremendously. You know what would help if we had a checklist that we could give our listeners that they could download from uh, one of my websites? Now, I wanted to mention uh, to you, Terry, and to the listeners, many years ago, when my, my children um, were born in the early 90s, anyway, I was living in Inglewood, California, and I got a knock at the door, and it was a social worker coming to uh, investigate possible child abuse. And at the time, I had been doing these types of cases for several years. And, you know, of course, I was shocked um, that somebody had reported me and my wife uh, for child abuse. And then earlier you said don't try to guess who turned you in or who called you in. At some point during the interview, the social worker uh, asks to use the restroom, but she leaves her file On my coffee table, so I pick up the file and I started going through it, and found out that I found out the person who reported us, and it wasn't somebody reporting me or my wife. It was somebody reporting my aunt who didn't live with me, but who babysat my children, and this was the allegation my aunt was going through a divorce. She was going to counseling and she told her counselor that there was domestic violence in her relationship with her husband. And remember these people don't live with me. She also told the counselor that she babysat my children frequently, which was true. So the counselor put X and Y together or one and two together or one-and-one together, and decided, oh, children, and I've never met the parents, I've never met the children, are possibly at a risk for child abuse. So they, of course, come to my home. And, you know, the social worker was asking me questions, um, and the only reason why I let her in was I wanted to find out, you know, I wanted information. I wasn't going to give her any information to use against me. But she started asking me questions about the relationship between me and my wife. She she asked my wife, do I ever hit her? Uh, you know, has there ever been any type of abuse? You know, things like that. And And that's not what brought them to my home. I tell you that story because once social workers get in the door, they go for everything. There's nothing Mm -hmm. on the limit. And I'm sure um, that they do have checklists that they go through and they're told to go through and they're just doing their job. But but I'm just telling people, I tell people the story because you have to be very careful when you let a social worker into your home. Um, you also mentioned Terry that every county has policies and procedures, and you knew that Orange County and LA County are online. I, I can't yeah. say for all fifty-seven or fifty-eight counties in California, or all the counties and states in the in the union, but I believe that all policies and procedures for every county and state social worker. They're, they are online. The Internet and Google is a great thing, and information is just at our fingertips. So if, you, if any of the listeners want to know anything about the county they live in and the social worker's policies and procedures, Google it. Google knows all. You know, the last thing I wanted to tell, comment on, Terry, was, you know, when people sign forms that the social worker gives them, A lot of times the social worker will tell them, hey, I can't make a copy. I don't have a copy machine. Uh, You know, I'll get back to you. And, of course, they Mm -hmm. never do or rarely do. So what I've started telling people is take a picture of the form. Everybody's got a smartphone. Everybody's got a camera. Everybody's got a video recorder just in the palm of their hand. So utilize that. So if they ask you to sign something, you know, after you sign it or before you sign it, take a picture of it and make sure you store that picture. That way you can have a copy. Now, I I ran into a group um, of advocates uh, in Northern California, and they are telling people not to talk to the social worker, but if they do, to tape record it or video record it. Now, in California, um, it's illegal. It's a crime to... Audio tape or videotape someone without their permission. There are a few exceptions, but for the most part, the general rule is you can't tape record or videotape. For the most part, the fastest way to get rid of a social worker is to tell them, hey, I'm going to videotape and tape record you. They do not want to be videotaped or tape recorded. And if you have it out in your hand and you videotape them and they're saying, no, no, you can't videotape me, but they keep talking and keep saying things, at some point it's almost there is a legal argument they can make that they knew they were being videotaped or tape recorded because they just kept on talking, even though they said, I don't give you my permission. So that's another thing that um, people are starting to do because everyone has a tape recorder and a video camera in their phone. Terry, I want to thank you for calling in again this uh, week. That was some very useful information. I also want to talk to you about maybe um, producing uh, a checklist for these people uh, that they can download from your website and my website so they can use in how to deal with social workers. Um, And, Terry, if you have any other uh, topics you'd like to cover, just email me or text me, man, and we'll get you back on the show. But thank you for calling today. And well, thank you for having me. All right, and once again, give us your uh, spell, your name, your phone number, and your email address for these people.
3: Okay, my name is Terry Greenstein. That's G R E E N S T E I N. The website is T E G consultants.org. Uh, my phone number is 951. 951- 236-2379 and my email is consultants at
1: com. thank you terry thank you for calling in again have a good thank you day. vince
3: appreciate it
1: okay we have about 30 seconds left in the show i want to thank everyone for listening in this morning you can find me on the web at vincentwdavis.com or at fightchildprotectiveservices.com. Fight you can check find me on Amazon. You can order and download my book. I think there's a Kindle version there now. You can find me on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com, type in my name, and you'll see my instructional or my, my informational videos there. Thank you again. And we'll see you next week on the radio.
3: It is Ryan here, and I have a question
2: for you. What do you do when you win?